I don't know about you, but I struggle with burnout from time to time. Listening to my conversation with burnout expert Rochelle Stone and consultant Lori Smith on why we struggle with it and what to do about it on the Enough Already podcast. And I'm your host, Betsy Jordan, and in every episode, we talk about the mindset and strategies for growing a sustainably profitable, purpose-driven consulting and coaching business. So um, thank you guys so much for being on the show, and I would love to explore this concept around why we get burnt out when we left the office and we left our nine to five to get work-life balance, but we're burning out on our own. So Rochelle, I'm going to, I'm going to have you kick it off since this is your area of expertise. Okay. Well, are you looking for me to share why I think people are burning out at home, working from home where the, you know, can you share a little bit more about your background and how you became a burnout um, expert? Sure. And, and a little bit about your story and your business. And then let's get into a conversation around the realities of burnout in work from working at home, which mm -hmm. is the irony of the whole mm -hmm. thing. It really is ironic, isn't it? Well, so I actually have been working home from home since 2014. Before then, I was, I think, 27 years as a destination management owner and executive in the South Florida area. And that is a an industry specific to the meeting convention and special event industry. So I did about 175 to 225 meetings a year. Um, and it was constant and I loved it. And I was very passionate about what I did. And one day in 2014, this is the penny version, not even the nickel version. Uh, mm -hmm. One day in 2014, I literally just said, I, I think I've I maxed out in my career. I don't think I can go any further. I can't do anything else. So instead of resigning and going to do something else, I instead retired at 48. Um, I took, um, I could, I took some, I was prepared like six months savings, like they always say. Um, but about a couple months into it, I started exploring an, another industry called coaching. Um, and I dipped my toe into that pond just to kind of take a starter course to see what it was all about. And about three weeks into that training, it was like a light bulb moment, epiphany, whatever you want to call it. I realized that I did not choose to leave my career. I had actually burnt out. I was like a frog mm. in a pot of water. Somebody had turned the heat on high and just left me there to boil over. And I didn't even know it. And it was probably another two years before I could say it out loud, before I admitted what happened to me. And Betsy, I think you were the first person I admitted it to professionally uh, when we met. and. Um, so now I wear it like a neon sign around my neck. I spent a lot of time really cracking the code on what happened, um, doing a lot of research, talking to a lot of people that have been through the same. And um, and now I sort of, I, I work in that, that arena. I speak about it. I coach around it. I also do leadership coaching as well. Um, but it's really my passion to prevent others from going through what I went through. I mean, that is really powerful because I remember when we were going through your branding experience, you know, mm -hmm. that we got to like breakthrough um, success without burnout. And then we started talking about it and there was like a mirror that was holding up, but I wasn't willing to admit my own burnout. Like I have had a long-term dance with burnout and I left Disney, I think, because of burnout. I've reinvented my business multiple times because of burnout. And I don't know if you experienced that as well, Lori, but um, I'm curious around like, what is the stigma around burnout? Like, why won't we admit that we have burnout? Why is this an issue? Rochelle, I, I, I just want to add something to that before uh, before you chime in, because you're going to have oh. a more professional response from a personal 
perspective, I think, you know, myself included, I feel like anyone who, who works in that kind of corporate uh, grind, it's very easy to get pulled into burnout and you don't even realize it's happening. And I personally experienced, I think very similarly to both of you, I didn't realize that I had experienced burnout as well, but I definitely went through a phase of that where my whole life was around, you know, trying to uh, make sure that I was working my way up the ladder within that corporate environment, but at the same time, manage all of the things that I was trying to do at home to perfection. Um, and it is extremely exhausting when you try and manage both sides of your life to that level. And I think, you know, I personally um, left, you know, that corporate environment and started my own business for the reason that I said I wanted to have that balance. But I think what started this conversation amongst the three of us is, well, now I'm working from home and I'm supposed to have that balance, but I'm finding myself as I grow my business getting pulled back into having a hard time sometimes finding that balance. It's very easy to walk back into my office at nine o'clock at night and pick up an email and start to do something. But before, maybe I used to check out when I was going into the office every day. So I definitely think that we all have that similarity. Yeah. So, so we all have that similarity, but we have a stigma to it as well. Like, so it mm -hmm. seems like what I'm hearing from you, Lori, is that, that we, it's easy for us to get caught up in the burnout is because that's part of the corporate culture that we've gotten acclimated to. And so somehow corporate culture says being busy and stressed out is good. And if you mm -hmm. are not busy and stressed out, it's not. And is that Rochelle, like from your standpoint, like, why do we feel shame around this burnout? Why is it, you know, if I had a broken leg and I needed to put a cast on it, I wouldn't feel embarrassed by that, but, but I need burnt, I have burnout and I desperately need to do self-care in other ways. Why is that a shameful thing? Well, we, because it's not, burnout is not a dirty word first and foremost. It is not. It is, it is something that happens to us. We don't ask for it, um, but it is something that happens to us. And there is a huge stigma attached to it. And I think that stigma, like Lori was saying, that expectation, that drawing you into the whole work world. When we're children, we are growing up, our parents don't teach us how to set boundaries, right? That We have no boundaries with our siblings. Our siblings have no boundaries with us. When we go into school, same thing. They don't teach you about how to take care of yourself, what, what you know, how to define values or, or purpose. And they only teach you to do the work. And when we go into the work world, again, we're still not learning how to set boundaries and get into alignment with who and what we are. We're, and women especially, there's a mm. huge stigma attached to. Because women, um, I read a great book by it's called burnout the unlocking the stress cycle um and it's by amelia and emily nagasi um and they're twin sisters one of them went through burnout one of the things that they said that i thought was so incredibly fascinating is that women in particular have something called human giver syndrome so as children we grow up and boys are raised to you know, take care of themselves, go off to school, get a great job, get married, take care of their family. Women are raised to, you know, take care of themselves, go to college, get a nice job, get married and start a family and take care of the family. That's our upbringing. That's the messaging we get. And the reality is it's contradictory to what the other conversations which are going around, which are women are not not treated with equal, you know, they're not in equal positions in the work world. There's not enough female CEOs. There's not enough female managers. How can these men be making all these decisions for all these women? 
yet we burn out quicker because I, this is my take on it and it, it ties into the human giver syndrome is that because we're never taught how to behave interacting with the way we feel. It's not a skill that's taught. You know, I, I did this series. I, I, I totally validate everything you're saying. I did this series several years ago about high achieving women and burnout. And mm -hmm. I got a little bit into the biology. I was like fascinated because I read this book about the female brain. Mm -hmm. And what the female brain book said is like with um, extra responsibility requires extra testosterone, you know, and women make a fraction of it. So there's that particular issue. There's the reality of the mommy brain. You know, mm -hmm. and there's the reality too, like the workplaces are created by and for men that support their mental yeah. processes and not the women. So is this, is burnout, a, is it everybody is like, what's the difference between stress and burnout? Cause I experienced burnout as a clinical thing versus just being stressed out. What do you, what do you both do? You, first um, off, Lori, do you agree as a mom with some of the things that I was saying around the biology and the role of becoming a mother and that complexity? Mm -hmm. And then Rochelle, I'd love to get your perspective on what the difference is between just being stressed out and busy and burnout. And Lori, before you answer, I'd love three-way conversations because, mm -hmm. you know, at least. <laughs> All right. So to the stress, the other piece that, in, and I'm sure this was in the book, but I just want to bring it forward for your listeners. Stress needs to be processed. And it, it doesn't. What it does is it, it creates more cortisol. And that's where you wind up having all these physical issues because the stress is in process, which can lead to languishing, which can lead to burnout. Mm -hmm. You know, let's not, yeah, that's all, that's putting all of the physical, mental ailments to the side, but that's, that's the progression of stress, unmanaged stress. So are you saying like, okay, there's this much stress that, um, is it like, do women and men have the same amount of stress? Because some of the things you're talking about is the caregiver syndrome, you know, there's well, the second, like, is, do we have the same amount of stress? So men, because they do have higher testosterone, are able to manage stress better. And burnout shows up differently initially for men and for women. For women, it is more of an emotional drain. For men, it's that mental distancing from their job that, um, you know, negativism, cynicism. And then for both men and women, it's the um, reduced efficacy, that feeling of futile, no matter what you do, you're never going to get ahead. It's never ending. It's unabating. So women, for women, it shows up emotionally first. And for men, it shows up as a disconnect first. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. So so for women too, there's a, a, so there's a certain amount of stress. So men, because they can compartmentalize and they have more testosterone, they could process the stress and it doesn't, and they can just detach. But for women, because they may have the, is it the same amount of stress or more stress, but the less testosterone, they can't process that stress. And then they respond emotionally, which makes the burnout more significant. Is that accurate or am I mis misunderstanding what you're saying? Well, it's that we don't, we're not taught how to process stress. No one tells you to, you know, how can you, when, when the stressor goes away, when, all right, let's say you're, you're trying to get a pitch out to a client, you're waiting for some vendor information. It's due in 90 minutes. You don't have it yet. How are you feeling in your body? Just listening to that, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty stressed mm -hmm. out. Okay, the vendor sends the proposal. You get your information to the client. Whew, dodged a bullet. The stress is still in your body. What are you doing to process it? 
because it's stuck oh. in your limbic system right now. So it's just mm -hmm. all it's doing is depleting. You're not mm -hmm. doing anything. What are you doing to replenish that depleted energy? Go for a run, kickbox, scream, go for a walk, right? That's one way. The other thing is, you know what, Mr. Bender, we're not going to be able to work together in the future because you caused me an unreasonable amount of stress and I cannot go through that again. You're laying down a boundary. That's another way to... Yeah, and women have a hard time with that because they want to be Absolutely. pleasing. Mm -hmm. That's right, because they want to please everybody. Mm -hmm. So, Lori, talk to me about being a business owner and a mom. You, her kids are still pretty young, so it's like, mm -hmm. how does how you know? Got, well, Rochelle and I, our kids are now older. We're empty nesters, but you're still in right. the middle of it. Like, how does mm -hmm. business ownership and motherhood? How does that work for you? Oh, uh, it's not always easy. I would say, you know, I find myself having to constantly juggle, you know, one thing to the next. I'm taking calls from the car. I'm, you know, uh, sitting in parking lots, waiting outside of practice, taking a Zoom call. You know, So I feel like it is that constant battle of making sure that I'm providing everything that I intend to to my clients because I want to hold up, you know, my ends of of expectations and make sure that I'm, you know, giving them the best of me that I possibly can, but I'm also trying to give the best of me to my children. So um, I think it's definitely not easy. And I find, you know, I definitely probably like so many other working mothers in the world find myself being pulled in. And I think the benefit that I have is that I do have a strong support system. You know, I have other family members who do try and help me out as much as they possibly can. But, you know, as, as, years go by and grandparents aren't able to, you know, give as much as maybe they had when your kids were little, it's definitely something that, you know, I feel falls more on the mother than it does on the father. Not that my husband doesn't try to support me and support the kids, but um, he also works from home and he'll be more inclined to say, hey, I have a meeting. I can't I can't do that drive to baseball practice. Whereas I try and find a way, well, if he's got to get there, I'm going to find a way to get it done. Right. So I think there's just a difference in the way that I process my responsibilities as a parent and as a mother and as a business owner and the way my husband who does work for a company. So it's a little different, right? He doesn't maybe have the flexibility that I have, but he's still, it's still hard to create those barriers, as you said, for shall, right? The barriers between, you know, what is, what is on me, what is on him and how do we manage it all? You know, Lori, you just <clears throat> perfectly described human giver syndrome mm -hmm. and it, to mm -hmm. the point of the man is raised like, no, no, I can't, I've got to work. Yeah. Because right. He's like, no, no, I have to take care of the family. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like men if you were say to no and be fine with it and a woman's like, I can't do that. I got to do no. everything. No. And listen, my clients, they, they're the utmost of a priority to me, but my family is first. It's who I am. So mm -hmm. if, if I have a kid standing in, you know, I always refer to my door in front of me, it's, it's a glass door and I see my children's faces through it. The moment I see them, a whole different part of me turns on, whether I'm on a call, if I was on this call right now with the two of you who are a priority to me, but if they walked up to that door, I couldn't help but look up because that's right. just, you know, it's just my human nature and my reaction. I don't know how to turn that off. Right. So Lori, so, what sort of conversations mm -hmm. do you have with your husband when there's a, where there's a conflict in that there's a responsibility and you both have competing priorities. How do you work that out? That's a great question. Yeah. Oh, and that's not an Tell easy me. question. I, I, know. I wish I had <laughs> a magic more, answer. Right? I don't, I don't have a magic answer. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it comes down to, 
you know, if there's something that really conflicts with what I have going on professionally and with a client or, you know, with my business, I think it does come down to, you listen, I just, there's those moments when I just cannot do it. Right. And I, and I feel like then I just have to call on him and say, I understand that you're working from home and you have a meeting, but I think you need to try and rearrange your schedule to, to help in this instance. But nine times out of 10, I'm usually the one to somehow find a way to give and make it happen. I mean, I'm, I'm being honest and I, I don't think I'm probably unlike many others. So. Yeah. But mm-hmm. in the pinch, when it, when it's really called for, you will have that right. boundary conversation to say, look, this, mm-hmm. I need you to step up and, and take yeah, help. Out. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. But, That's good. That's it, great. But it's like, I noticed even like when my kids were, um, my kids were little and if they were sick, it's like mommy, mommy brain kicks in. It's like, even, even if there is somebody to watch my child, like I remember when I was at Disney, there was, we were in the middle of this huge, massive project and we were doing all of these town halls and they were super important. And I was supposed to be a part of this executive presentation, but my, uh, my daughter Ainsley at the time, she was really little and she had a major asthma thing. Like we had, we were in an emergency room, you know, throughout the evening and the next day, it's like, I couldn't physically leave her, you know, like mm-hmm. her breathing. I couldn't physically leave her. And I remember I took a huge reputational hit to stay home with my daughter, but I didn't know how to not be with my daughter during that time. So there's like right. some of that conflicting kind of thing. It's like, like even in your scenario, Lori, like if, if your son needs to be somewhere, it's not about just giving him a ride. It's about right. like our identity and our self-esteem. And it's like, there's that emotional connection. I don't know if that contributes mm-hmm. to the burnout that it's like, it's not, is it just being the pleaser? Or is it just like, I can't imagine not wanting to be there for my kids? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's a combination of both for me, right? Like I, I don't, I, I think, um, I don't know otherwise, you know, and I, I think it's actually funny that we're having to some extent this conversation because it's what I decided to somewhat build my business around. Because I, I think Betsy, when you and I started talking about like, what was, what made me tick from like a professional standpoint, it was the fact that I've always, my entire life had that, 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 um, I don't want to say pleaser, but like, I want to make everything right in the world, right? I want to make sure that all the parts of an organization are working together. I want to make sure all the parts of my family are working together. Um, I feel like who I am personally pulls through to who I am professionally. All the more reason when you really think about it, that creating boundaries and having the on-offs between the two is very difficult for me because they're both so important. It's very hard to, you know, say, how do you not take a priority of your children over your professional life, right? So, so I think, um, you know, I don't know if I answered your question, but I think there is definitely such a huge connection between the two. Yeah, to Lori's point, mm-hmm. they're they're intimately inter- intertwined. Yes, you know, if you if you uh, if you're if you ask somebody what their values are and they say, oh, well, these are my professional values and these are my personal values. Oh, no, 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 you are one person. Yeah, you don't get two sets of values, mm-hmm. and because of the crossover with home, it means the communication and the boundaries are all so much more important now. But again, no one's taught how to yeah. set a boundary. It's not about a line in the sand. It's about mm-hmm. the impact of the other people's behaviors on you. And so that impact. Before we get into the solution, because I definitely want to, I want to brainstorm towards the end of this conversation <laughs> around what can we do about it? 
but I do mm-hmm. want to talk about the entrepreneurial burnout. So I think what's interesting, at least in my experience with myself and mentoring, you know, a bunch of other people going through the corporate to entrepreneurship kind of transition is that what we do is we leave our job because we want work-life balance. And then what we do is re- we recreate our stress and our, we recreate our career in our businesses. So when I first started my business, I had, um, I started making a ton of money right away, like big money. And so I had all these male mentors and they were like, hey, double your revenue, double your revenue. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. You know, because I'm like, I'm competitive. I want to, I want to mm-hmm. succeed with the big boys. But then I realized like I had my big assignment that I had in London. I had my first international client and I was like, yay, you know, and I was on the airplane and my friend's like, oh my gosh, you could savor this and you could live the dream. And I got to the other side. I got to my hotel. I called the kids. They were home with a nanny and I had an existential crisis. I'm like, this is not why I started my business. Mm -hmm. I did not start my business so I could have the nanny be watching my kids. I started Mm -hmm. my business because I wanted to be home with my kids. I did not want to miss out on stuff with my kids. And now I'm missing out. So I recreated my stress over and over again. And so why is it that, so there's no external pressure necessarily. I created my own pressure to succeed. Why do we do that? Yes, Risha. Well, because you're not, you're only doing part of the recovery from the initial burnout. You're not doing the complete recovery. So while you're taking care of, okay, I want a different environment. You didn't make any changes to... Uh, the alignment of, of your values and purpose, your purpose is your children, right? Your passion. So what changes did you make to make that alignment with them? You just changed the, the location of where you were burning yourself out. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So you're, there's three types mm-hmm. of recovery. You have the internal, which is the reflective, the reorientation, the getting to know yourself again, the um, the values alignment. And if you've never done values work, you got to do it. And those change over the years. So do look at it. Um, it's clarity on your purpose. It's having some sort of creative outlet and it's having social support outside of the office. The people you work with are your colleagues. They are not your social support system. Yes, they can support you, but they are not need it outside that you're out. Your best allyship is outside of the office. But this is like one of those things that I like, I love what you're saying, because this is where I chose, like why part of reason why I pivoted my business from mentoring, from um, consulting to mentoring Mm -hmm. is really pushing people to clarify these things because that's right. I had male mentors who had no earthly idea about why, how I was wired as a mom, why that would Mm -hmm. be important and why my goal was never to double my revenue. I did not, I don't care about becoming a million dollar consultant. I care about having a good, you know, a sustainable income for sure and an impact and having a total life so there's some of it is is like we surround i surrounded myself with somebody who did not understand what that was and put a goal and i and i just wanted again that pleaser syndrome i wanted to please that (laughs) external Mm -hmm. i love this quote from ali wong where she says she made a do you you ever watch um the comedian ali wong she's the best she's oh yes i have seen her i know you're Mm -hmm. talking about i haven't seen her in ages though I saw her stand up um, a few months ago and she was talking about Sheryl Sandberg, you know, and, and that lean in book. And she's like, I don't want to lean in. I want to lie down. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. what I want. I don't want, I don't want that, you know, 
I don't know about, you know, for you guys, as you were building your businesses, did you get caught up in the success trap or did you just, you know, Rochelle, you did your values work beginning and you designed it differently and you had me as the mentor. So I wasn't going to push it. Well, and the other thing was to your point, I wasn't looking for a six figure business. I get emails all day, every day on LinkedIn. We'll help you build a six figure practice and hard pass. No, thank you. My goal was to build a life, to build a career around the life I really wanted to live. So yes. I wanted clarity on those values and what my purpose was and my passions. Mm-hmm. Then I was able to say, okay. And when I burned out, I was 25 pounds overweight and on 18 different medications. I was sick. I didn't even know it. I thought it was healthy because I was popping pills, making me better, but I wasn't. So getting the physical health back, getting the, the, the mental health back, the, the clarity, the internal reflective recovery, and then the daily recovery. It's that daily recovery that people let go. Great. I'm all better. And they go back to work. They go right back into the grindstone. You can't, mm-hmm. you have to set up that daily routine. That's going to be taking care of your, your mindfulness activity, your gratitude. There's real science behind that. They show growth in your, in the prefrontal cortex and your gray matter. People who do mindfulness practices, gratituding, mental fitness, they have growth in that gray matter in the prefrontal cortex and shrinkage in the limbic system, which is where that's the fear response center. So yes, it matters and it all matters. And it's part of every day, just like going to the gym and working out or going to church or your spiritual practice, daily recovery. Mm. And all daily recovery is is self-care. Like Lori, you sat, you know, you, you've got a good support system. What do you do? What's your creative outlet? What do you do? As I'm I'm listening to you talk, and I know you and I've talked about this before, Rochelle, the one thing I do not do enough of is self-care. I, I do not allow that time for myself. I've had this conversation with you. I've had it with my husband. I've had it with so many different people. And I still wish I could tell you that I have that outlet, but I don't yet. And that's on me for not making that a priority. And someone who speaks about prioritization all the time, I don't make myself a priority, right? But um, it's Ooh. so, so true. It is so yeah. true. We do that's- stuff to ourselves mm-hmm. we would never do to somebody else. Right. No, I'll sit there and tell the best of my friends and colleagues and, and clients, right? Hey, you need to prioritize. You need to do what's most, you need to really focus on what's most important and not worry about, you know, the things that kind of fall to the bottom and be more thoughtful about where you spend your time. I tell everyone that. And sometimes, not sometimes, all the time when it comes to me personally, I don't, I don't do that. So yep. honest. Yeah. So it's like mm-hmm. making sure like we're as consultants and coaches, we're really good at at understanding all the stakeholders perspectives and integrating them sure. but then we forget to put ourselves at the table you know mm-hmm. i noticed like i burn out i got sick over thanksgiving for a whole week and i missed out on a good portion so the entire family came in town and i killed myself before thanksgiving so i spent time thinking through every single person like okay what kind of blankets would they want what kind of food do they want do they want to have this what kind of alcohol do they want to have at the house what do we what do we need to do and i spent so much energy making sure everybody was happy and then i realized like i forgot to think about myself and there's so many mm-hmm. easy things now in retrospect after i i kind of crashed and burned this um this last quarter between you know my cross country move you know becoming an empty nester just a few stresses that were going on and trying to do all of this I'm like i could have easily just assigned different people to take charge of different um 
you know, different mm-hmm. meals. I could have said, you know, you're on your own BYOB in the house, even though you're staying here. I mean, I could for right. sure make sure they have blankets and stuff because we just moved here and I didn't have that, but I didn't think of it. I didn't think of it until I was sick all week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we always get sick after a vacation. We always get sick after a big major project and a mm-hmm. push. Why? Because we're not processing the stress. We don't take that time between to recover. And it's not just about mm-hmm. recovery. It's about refilling your tank. You're so depleted at that point. That's when you get sick mm-hmm. instead so, of recovering. So how can, so can we um, sidestep, like if let's say you're, there's some people are in here who are listening in right now and they're saying, all right, I'm in corporate. I want to leave because I want work-life balance. You know, what would you say to that person? Um, and then let's talk about after the person who's already has their own business and they're burning out what they can do. So what can the people who are in corporate, like you were Rochelle, like you were Lori, high pressure, mm-hmm. executive jobs, and they're burning out. Like, what would you say to that particular person? Well, first and foremost, are you asking, are you saying they want to leave or they just want to get out of the burnout or avoid the burnout? They, they're they envisioning starting their own business like Lori okay. did as right. a way to get that balance. Get out of back. corporate. Mm-hmm. Well, the first and foremost that, I mean, I, I, I know it sounds cliche, but that, and it's, it's numbers, it's that six month savings that that's step number one, making sure you're prepared to step away because you're going to have a whole new set of stresses when you do it. I would suggest working with a consultant or a mentor or a coach before you leave to help you get some of these things ready. It's almost like getting ready for retirement. You're not going to say, oh, I'm retiring next year. You're going to say, oh, my retirement's in five years. I have to start getting ready for that. I have to start planning for my future. So it is, it's a plan. So somebody can, can, do you feel like that that would, by getting that six month, um, getting that six month plan that um, working with a mentor or coach, that type of person, do you think that that would take the edge off of the burnout while they're trying to make a decision or do they have to address the burnout first and then make the decision? Like You have to address the burnout first, but here's the thing. When you talk about recovery from burnout, which I, you know, again, it's the internal, it's the external, and then it's the the physical, sorry, the internal, the external, and then the daily. What is self-care? That is self-care. So starting with the recovery to reset the system, building the daily habit and incorporating it into your life. So when you do start bringing things into your life, again, the work and the stress, you have some boundaries already put in place. So working with people like us is self-care. Say that again. Working with people like us is self-care. Well, working with people like us holds you accountable to taking care of yourself. Got it. It, So that's a tangible action for them. It's ultimately up to the independent, the person, you know, somebody like, you know, there's always going to be those people. When I say, put your oxygen mask on first, they're like, oh no, oh no, I've got six kids. I got to get the kids mask on first until they're ready to put their own mask on first. I've, I've had at least, I would say in the last three years, I've had at least four clients who have come to coaching calls that were in burnout, that were not willing to start implementing change, share with me that they either passed out and wound up in the hospital and their doctor mandated two weeks without the laptop and the cell phone, or they were in a horrible car accident. 
you can't you can't not deal with the burnout you have to make change or or when you go through recovery it'll be forced on you so you have a choice you can either choose to prevent it or you can have it forced on you so um lori from your perspective like do you see that there was any war early warning signs like that was stressing you out like with the corporate schedule like are there early warning signs that you could see before you have a car accident and before you're yeah, yeah. you know before you right, have, right. you're talking to a burnout coach like yeah do you see any early warning signs you know for me it's kind of interesting <clears throat> excuse me i i feel like um and you both know my story i mean i was undergoing a lot of change within the organization that i was in like major, major organizational changes that resulted in me having to go out and figure out what my next step was. In retrospect, I didn't realize it until after the fact. It's when I looked back that I now realize how stressed I was, how burnt out I was. Um, you were talking about getting sick. I did get sick. And that last year within that corporate role for me, I became very, very sick for a good month. I lost weight, didn't realize what was happening. It wasn't until I looked back and I was like, wow, look what I put my body through physically during that difficult time, right? So, so unfortunately, I didn't see the signs. And then when I was forced to make that change, I feel like it took me that that good first six to 12 months to really get my head on straight, to look back, to see what I had gone through. The one thing that I was clear on though, from the day that I began that next step and that next journey was that I didn't want to go back to that environment. Like I knew that from the very beginning. And I said, I want to try and do this on my own. I want to um, try and make myself, you know, um, have a situation where I would feel like I had that balance with my family. That was like my number one priority and I wanted sustainability. So before Betsy, you were talking about like, did I want that? Like, you know, really, really big, huge, successful business. My keyword and you and I talked about it many times was always sustainability. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's still my keyword. I want to be able to sustain this so I can, you know, be there for the next X number of years for my children's lives until they're kind of until I'm the empty nester. Yeah. Um, so, so I think, you know, for me, unfortunately, I didn't see it. And I think it took, you know, looking back and having these conversations with folks like you for me to like really um, say it. I don't think I talk about it very often with others, to be honest. I think, I think I feel, you know, it's, it's when you're kind of in that safe space and you're having the conversations with people that um, you trust and, and know get it. Um, but I don't go back and have these conversations with former, you know, folks that I worked with or mentors, especially a lot of my male mentors. We don't talk about this. Um, I don't think, I don't know if they would recognize that it was as bad as it was for, for so many of us. I think that's really powerful about the goal mm -hmm. of sustainability and ongoing profits rather than, rather than like, I'm going to turn you into a six figure brand. Like I've had, mm -hmm. I've played around with some of that language in my value proposition because some of my competitors use that. And it's like, oh, you need to talk about like the numbers, the numbers, the numbers. I'm like, but that's not really what I want or what the people I want to attract with is I could talk about purpose. I could talk about impact. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about <clears throat> sustainability because sustainability is just, you know, the bottom level of the Maslow. Like we need to, we need to have sustainable profitability and we should be able to have the money to fund the higher levels of the Maslow. And I'm very clear that I don't want to, I'm not going to help you turn become a million dollar consultant. I'm, my promise is I'm going to help you start the right business for the right reasons so yeah. that it achieves all of your total life priorities. That's right. what's important. 
But, you know, people are like, well, but you're not as results oriented. I'm like, well, that feels like a really powerful result. Like, doesn't that seem like a good result? It's not your job to produce the results for their company. That's their job. Right. That's true. Oh, that's another thing about burnout, like putting product, you know, boundaries around products and services. So you don't overpromise, like where you step over and take responsibility for other people's stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's a really important thing is like being clear on that goal and not losing sight of it. I lost sight of it. And then I had to reinvent my entire business. I spent a ton of money having to reinvent because I had Accelerate Consulting Group everywhere, you know, and I have to like fix everything to just make it like about my personal brand. But it's that importance of not recreating that stress. So Rochelle, from your standpoint, is somebody who, let's say somebody is leaving corporate because they are in a burnout state. They really want that lifestyle balance that that you and Lori had pursued and that I wanted as well in between that time period when they're working on their business, what would you recommend so that they don't find themselves in the same exact spot as they were before? Get a hobby. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) What is your creative outlet? What, What are you doing to take care of your own soul? How do you fill your tank? So like kind of going back to Lori, it's her family. She's very clear. She wants mm-hmm. sustainability so she can be there for her family. Her family is a number one. That's probably your top value. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it Lori? It, oh, of course. Yeah. So mm-hmm. going to your boys games, I would imagine is a bit of a tank filler for you. And that you're sitting there on a zoom call while they're playing is probably an energy drainer for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That right? Yeah, no, okay. it is. It is. Yeah. So it's getting, so it's going to have to be for Lori in particular, you know what, Mr. Client, uh, my son has a game, so I'll, I won't be able to be on that zoom call at that time. I can join you at this time, but again, it's it's being willing to set some boundaries around what you're most passionate about because you need to fill your tank in order to be there for the client. And I have to go back to something Lori just said before. She didn't realize she was burnt out. She can look back now and see it. The reason you can look back now and see it, because we're talking about it now. We're not talking about it enough. That's part of the problem. People don't know what they don't know. And they think that, you know, I, quick story. One of my clients came to our first call like this with her, her shoulders in her ears and like this in her chair. Um, she was in finance and she was working from home. It was early in the pandemic. She was just, no, I'm here from seven to seven. And I, well, do you go to the bathroom? Yes. Sorry. That's my brother's text message. Um, and it turned out she didn't have, she didn't realize she couldn't leave. She could leave her desk to, instead of go to the ladies room, go to the loo, she could start a load of laundry for her family. She could put a chicken in the oven for her family. She doesn't have to be sitting there from seven to seven mm-hmm. and just taking two 15 minute breaks during the day. No one teaches us that. No one told us that when we went home to work from home. And when you're in the office environment, it's go, go, go. It's never about you. And that it needs to go both ways. So now you have a lot of corporations that are offering wellness. Here's a free headspace app. Here's access to coaching, which is great. They're really, really good. But the number one thing corporations can do for their employees is to let them build their own networks of support. 
It's not your colleagues playing on a baseball game with them on, you know, the office team or volleyball team, or let's all go out for drinks. Yeah, that's fun every now and then, but those are not your support system. Corporations mm -hmm. have to start providing more opportunities for their human capital to be human. Yeah, if this is the OD consultant coming out of me. I would say the number one thing corporations should do is right size the workloads. Yes. So the reason why we're so stressed out mm -hmm. is Absolutely. we're doing the job of two, three yeah. people yes. or five people, 10 yes. people, like the right mm -hmm. size, right size the amount. Like you can do the process mapping and the, the time evaluation to say, how long does it really take? And it literally takes more than the 40 hours anyway. Yeah. But going, going back to Lori though, like, so I wonder, um, Rochelle, you could tell me if this is a reasonable application for Lori is get the, get the boys schedules for all of their sports events, put it on the calendar with the travel time. And that's block time. Oh, absolutely. Yep. On your yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that is, it's, it's so funny you say that. I mean, I absolutely have learned that that's like a big piece of what I have to do. You know, I block on, I have multiple calendars. So I'm blocking on multiple calendars. So this client can see when I'm going to be available, when I'm not going to be. Um, I, I do do that. And I find that it's really been helping me by kind of just blocking it out. Yeah. Are there those situations where like, sometimes I just can't say no and I'm still doing it, but I have gotten better at it. And I think that's like a good thing. Yeah. Um, I would say if you ask me, like when I first started doing this to now, have I gotten better at it? A hundred percent I have, but I think this, the one thing that I still lack is trying to find that time for me. Right. So Rochelle, when you say like, what is your thing that makes you like, what's your hobby, which, you know, my hobby is watching my sons play baseball. Like uh, truthfully, that's what it is right now. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. I adore it. And it, it, it actually makes me feel like decompressed. I'm pretty, usually yeah. I'm pretty calm when I'm sitting there. But, um, you know, could I do more from truly me, me personally? Yes, I, I probably could. And I think that that's like, I think, listen, we all, no one's perfect. I think we all have those things we want to change and be better. And for me, that's, that's like it. That is the one thing I want to do. What's the one activity you miss doing mm -hmm. that you'd like to do again? Oh my gosh. You know, when people ask me that, and I, I hate to say this, but for like the past 15 years, I, I don't know. Like, I think I have to find what gives me passion, okay. um, uh, you know, in, in full honesty, I don't, I don't think I have a good answer because I think I've changed okay. as a person, right. Yeah. After you become a mother. And I, I don't think I have a good answer as to, to what that thing would be. You know, so you would be a, you would, you would, you would definitely benefit from working with a coach for a little bit too. Um, discover that, rediscover it. So yeah. just to kind of share how I work it in, my passion, my biggest tank filler is going shelling mm -hmm. and finding shells. And that's part of the reason why I moved to the area. So I literally will look at, I'll look at the tide calendar first for the next like month, six weeks. And I'll find one that's a good, at a reasonable hour that I can, you know, in the morning, I'll block it on my calendar for like three or four hours so, and it, I'm blocking it a month out. I don't have anything confirmed yet. So I'll cancel whatever's there. I'm at the beach and I'm shelling. That mm -hmm. fills my tank for a good three weeks, two, three yeah. weeks. And I can't, I can't complain. So finding that one thing mm -hmm. and making time for it, treat it like an appointment with your most important, put it on your calendar, like the most important client an appointment with your most important client, which is yourself. And you're doing that now with your kids' games, which is great. What about date night with your husband? When was yeah, the last right, time you got no. a date night? No, I know you're absolutely right. It's Plan just, it a uh, month out, put mm -hmm. it on the calendar, block it, make it happen. Seeing girlfriends. Right. 
So one of the big things I'm doing is I'm uh, for the first time, I'm going to be getting an office outside the home. And the irony for me is that I have to go to the office for balance. Like, I think we pendulum swung, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, the corporate is like burning us out. But I think being at home and isolated is also yeah. burning me out, you know, in addition to all the changes. And I'm so excited because like where I have my office is like there's a coffee shop and there's restaurants and there's a library down the street. And I think one of the disciplines I want to start adding is taking a true lunch hour, you know, not like enough of a lunch hour where I run downstairs, make something eat, shove it in my mouth in between meetings or in between tasks. But it's Mm -hmm. like, take a lunch hour. I used to love that. Like when I first started my business, there wasn't the same kind of pressure. Like we had Blackberries, but there wasn't like this pressure 24 seven connectivity. And I remember having like really good conversations with with colleagues and friends. We'd go to Einstein's or do whatever. And it's like that that's almost feels like a, a, a luxury now rather than, well, why not? Mm-hmm. When I when I was in corporate, I had lunch with colleagues all the time. I had lunch with people and we would talk shop and it created ideas and all of that stuff. And I'm so excited to have neighbors. Like I have a in my new office space, I'm gonna have a massage therapist across the hall. I'll have a meditation person, a nurse practitioner. I have a yoga, like a trauma-informed yoga person, acupuncturist, like all in this little area. And it's like, I'm sure I'm going to get a thousand ideas that being at home. So I wonder like, you know, just Rochelle is like, we're moving towards the, and I know we've been on for a while, you know, what recommendations of like, how to like the, the staying at home all the time is also not balanced either. So it's like, how do you address that? And what other recommendations did you make? You have to create that balance. I love what you're doing, that you're going to an outside office. I actually know a few people that do that, and it it works for them because the noise in their home is not productive for them. They're energy drainers, or they'll be working all the time. To your point, you go back, Mm -hmm. Laura, you said you go back to the office at 9 o'clock at night. You go into your office, and you keep working. That's not a good use of your time. I love going back to the office. But the number one thing is really it's the boundaries, and it's the self-care. It, 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 there is, there's, there's no, there's no secret sauce here. There really isn't, but they mm-hmm. are choices. And sorry. It, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, sorry. people don't teach you how to set boundaries. Boundaries come with trade-offs. So when Lori says yes to a Zoom meeting during one of her son's game, her trade-off is she doesn't get to see the game. Right. And is that, will is that acceptable? Will you tolerate it or will you not accept that? You mm-hmm. get to choose one of the three. Yeah. So if you tolerate it, then it's okay on occasion. But if it's okay, you're you're never your boundaries going to be just trampled over. Mm-hmm. So in terms of like the prescription, let's try to summarize the prescription. So this is what I heard us talk about today. Number one, um, we need to start talking about burnout and destigmatizing that yes. part. That that's number one. And then number two, we need to recognize the signs of when we are getting ready to have burnout before it becomes bad. So when we start hating our jobs or we're not excited anymore, we start feeling resentful or the emotional drain, we nip it in the bud before it gets bad and don't apologize for not being happy with our jobs anymore. And it sounds like three, you know, like so that we could avoid the really bad stuff like the, you know, car accidents and, you know, heart attacks and all of that. Three get clear on our values so that we can make sure that our work and our life aligns with our values. So without that clarity, so maybe when I started my career, I had this set of values, but they've evolved over time and now I have this set of values. So getting really explicit about those. And if my career, my nine to five corporate career does not align with my values, I need to create a six month plan, get some money in the bank, 
work with a coach or mentors, people like us to make that transition plan, which is a, a container that can create the self-care. Mm-hmm. And then number five is like making sure that when you are setting up your business, you put your priorities into your calendar first. Mm-hmm. Build Before your business around your life. Don't build your yes. life around your business. Absolutely. And so for for you, Rochelle, it's about shelling and beach and all of that. For you, Lori, it's about your kids' games and being there for your kids or whatever those values are. That's in your calendar and it is like as important as the biggest CEO meeting or the biggest client meeting of mm-hmm. your life. And then it's really like from my perspective, like one of the things I'm, I work a lot with my clients around is making sure you have products and services that you actually want to deliver that won't drain you, that won't replicate mm-hmm. the stuff you don't That's like. Right. Do stuff yeah. that you actually like. Mm-hmm. And then it sounds like there's something else, Rochelle, you were talking about with this daily self-care and the recovery. Can you just like, can you kind of like fill in the gaps of the summary? So it's so, yes. So your, your daily self-care is, is, it's, it's the taking care of your physical body, taking care of your spiritual or, or, or mental well-being. Those are so important. Um, I like to say we're a three-legged stool. We have our physical health, we have our spiritual and emotional health, and then we have our mental health. And this is something that people are talking about more and more. Again, something else we have to break the stigma on. Stigmatism on is is um, mental wellness, mental health, uh, mental fitness. So, and we don't work that muscle. We just mm-hmm. don't. So it's got to be all three. Because a three-legged stool, all three legs have to be the same length in order for the stool to stand strong. Ooh, so that's good. Yeah. So Lori, the irony here with this burnout thing is we're talking about it personally. Your your business is all about helping organizations right size their strategic priorities so the organization doesn't crash and burn and, and get mm-hmm. overtaxed. So um so that's kind of ironic given our conversation. I know, can right? You share, can you just like um just share a little bit about your business and how people can find out a little bit more about you and what your website address is? Absolutely. Um, so, so as I, as we talked about a little bit before, I really built my business around, you know, what, what I found I spent most of my career doing, and that is trying to help, um, complex organizations find a a balance between all of the parts of that organization and how they work together um, the most efficiently and the most effectively. So um, the business that I created, Lori Smith Consulting, so that's my website, uh, laurismithconsulting.com, was really based on that. It's, It's based on, you know, creating priorities amongst all of the strategies that you have as an organization, putting the things that have the highest return to the top, making sure that those those things that, you know, really spend a whole lot of time on and that you're not getting that return from that they fall to the bottom. Um, It's around strategy and giving, um, you know, more focus to thinking forward. Um, I talked about sustainability of my own business. I think it's so important that businesses have sustainability themselves when it comes to, you know, whether you're just part of a small department or, you know, the bigger picture of the entire organization. I think having that forward looking plan and, and not just focusing on, you know, the next six to 12 months is so important. Businesses have to have that strategy, that outlook. Um, and I really, you know, spent a lot of my time trying to help businesses do that. And then I think the last piece is um, working together, right? So that's the one thing that, I, again, you know, really makes me 
um, I think a little bit unique maybe to to other consultants is that I, I I like to make sure that the not only the processes are working together but the people are working together and um, I, I really enjoy spending time with people and getting to know you know them individually and figuring out how they fit into the puzzle of, of, of an organization to try because to me you said it before Betsy right organizations and a lot of corporations it's all about their biggest asset which is the people so it's trying to figure out how you get those people working together more effectively so um yeah so that's really where i where i spend a lot of my time and 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 i enjoy you know the fact that i get to do this on a on a regular basis now and i don't have to um you know work on things that don't make me happy i think uh that's the key and the best part about being a consultant right is you get to really pick and choose what what makes you happy it's awesome thank you mm -hmm. and rochelle on if we could, can you want to share a little bit about what your business is all about and how people can get a hold of you Right. So I am a, um, a leadership coach and also a uh, mental fitness coach and a burnout expert. Um, I actually do lean very heavily into the hospitality world. Um, my goal is to bring humanity back to the hospitality industry um, mm -hmm. through positive intelligence and mental fitness. Uh, I love coaching, working with people one to one and helping them really navigate uh balance um so they can really have the thriving careers they want so my websites are stoneconsulting.com um i do speak at a lot of conferences both on burnout uh prevention versus recovery and also on mental fitness so and i just love it it's fantastic i love working with people and helping them see their own watch them change and have the lives mm -hmm. they finally want to live so Awesome. Well, you've been instrumental in helping me take responsibility for my own burnout and not feel bad about it. So thank you. Don't feel so bad about it. As we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to talk to me about as it relates to burnout, avoiding burnout, transcending burnout, or just the burnout and entrepreneurship? And I just didn't ask you the right question. Oh, I think we need a whole nother session for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, right. you know, we can really mm -hmm. talk about this. There's so much here. Um, and there's so much that we've not tapped into yet um, that it, it, it just, it takes time. So I'm happy to talk to you again at another time and share with your, your listeners more info. Awesome. What about you, Lori? What do you think? No, you know, it's so funny. I think when we jumped on this call today, right, our, our, our path of, of our discussion, um, while it started out just casually talking about ourselves and how things were going, turned into a burnout discussion and, and I actually love the fact that um, the three of us can can do that, and that we you know feel comfortable enough to talk about um, to talk about burnout and to talk about our our journeys together. Because I think, you know, we said it before. I, I think it's so overlooked, and I think it it does become something that people just don't feel comfortable talking about. So having that comfort zone. Um, and being able to find people that you feel comfortable having that conversation with, I think would be my one bit, my last bit of advice to anyone out there, mm -hmm. whether you're working in entrepreneurship or whether you are working in that corporate environment. Mm -hmm. I just think it's such an important part of, you know, your well-being. So even if I haven't found my personal passion, I think, mm -hmm. you know, having this environment is one of the things that I, I think is wonderful for me. And I'm, I'm you know, very lucky to, to have that in the two of you. Yeah, yeah, there's I, a lot I, of great resources out there too, for sure. Mm -hmm. Books, articles, podcasts, really powerful stuff. And I think the one thing that I really took away from the conversation is to, to, to destigmatize it. 
if you're feeling, mm -hmm. you know, that cynicism, that exhaustion, it's like, instead of feeling like I'm pathologized or I'm depressed, I got to get on anti-anxiety medicine. It's like, maybe you're burnt out. And so one of the early signs is you don't like your work anymore. So it's time to change and it's okay. You know, what yeah. got you here isn't going to get you there just because you loved it before. doesn't mean that that's the next chapter. And I love what you said, Rochelle, too, about just like paying attention, tuning into your values, tuning into who you are is huge. And maybe that's like the secret that goes beyond is if you create that self-care routine, you're going to be able to do that. So thank you both so much. This has been hugely helpful. I know there's a ton of people who are probably experiencing the same things that we all experience and we'll get a lot from this conversation. So thank you. If every time you try to relax, you feel guilty and lazy, get overwhelmed and are easily distracted and want to be more present with your family and are just plain tired, you are not alone. Millions of smart, accomplished people get stuck in burnout. And having your own business isn't the solution, but having a business that you love that aligns with your total life priorities is. And if you don't have that yet, let's talk. You can book a call with me on making this happen for you at www.betsyjordan.com forward slash schedule. And until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in. If today's episode lit a fire in you, please rate and review Enough Already on Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. And if you're looking for your next step, visit me on my website at betsyjordan.com and it's Betsy Jordan with a Y and you'll learn all about our end-to-end -end services that are custom designed to accelerate your success. Don't wait, start today.